Hi, and welcome to EnviroCenter's Green Room. Meet the people on the front lines of climate action and find out what keeps them up at night. I'm Mandy, and this week we're joined by artist Alex Stewart. Welcome, Alex. Hi. Um, how's it going? Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's been nice chatting with you before the recording started. Um, yeah. So we'll get right into it. We ask all of our guests to bring one environmental fact to share. What have you brought with you today? Like we talked about just before recording here, I did a bunch of research and tried to figure out like a fact that I could narrow down. I kind of always knew this, but I wasn't sure like how in-depth it was. Um, and it's like a quarter of all of our medication is like derived from some form of tree. Yeah. So like aspirin is actually made from willow bark. And uh, there's like a couple of like chemotherapy medications that are derived from. So like there's one like called Taxol, which is derived from a yew tree. Um, and that's just something that I found really interesting because I didn't know that that was like I always knew that like plants and medicine were went hand in hand. Uh, but I didn't know to the extent that it was or how mainstream a lot of them were. Uh, wow. That's yeah. really interesting. I had <laughs> no idea. I would not have known that if you didn't tell yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was a, that was a new one for me. So, okay. Well, um, next question then, which is a bit more of a serious one, I guess. Um, what kind yeah. of problem keeps you up at night? Uh, all of them, <laughs> but outside of that, uh, currently it's, um, I'm putting a lot of my focus and attention on the old growth logging here in BC because under 3% of old growth forests are left in BC here, um, which is quite sad, especially if like no one ever really gets to uh, witness them or enjoy them or uh, anything like that. In doing my research for talking about this, it's depressing to know that the NDP promised to like end old, forest, old growth logging. Um, but they've actually increased logging by like 43% since they've been in power. So uh, that's really depressing. And hopefully that changes soon. There's been a lot of media attention recently and stuff like that. So hopefully that helps sway what's been going on at least a little bit. Yeah. Wow. That's really sad to hear. It's something that I have not yet experienced. So I would like to, at some point, yeah. I would like it to say that, I mean, for many, many reasons, but I would yeah. like to witness it at some point. Yeah, definitely. It's sad when you think about how few spots that are, you know, thousands and thousands of years old, like trees that are thousands of years old are just being logged and destroyed. And it's yeah, kind of depressing. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. That's really terrible. Okay. Well, moving on to maybe a more positive <laughs> outlook, um, but also keeping that in mind, of course, what is the solution? I mean, sadly, the solutions are already in place. Like there is sustainable logging practices out there. There's a company uh, called Wildwood that is like built their platform on ecoforestry, which is like a really sustainable. I am not the most educated person on this, obviously. Uh, there's a lot more I could learn, but they do. Um, they're like a sustainable old growth logging forest is the best way that I can describe them. Um, and everything's done and regrows quicker than everything else because the forest is healthy. They're more resistant to disease because it's not freshly planted things. It's all things that come from the old growth trees that are still standing, that are, all, that, that are seeding around them. And uh, the options are there. It just needs to be handled in a way where greed is less at the forefront. <laughs> Because I think that's uh, the main reason is people here are people want old growth trees because of how the wood looks. And I think it's just 
something that we should have pivoted away from a long time ago, but it's the people being stuck in their old ways and not just not changing. There's like so many more sustainable options out there, especially for building and wood alternatives and everything like that. So, um, yeah, we talk a lot about that. Heather needs to just be like, um, like a cultural shift mm -hmm. away from the things that we used to do towards things that are, you know, better for the planet, more sustainable. Yeah. Like there's building. So I do work for like, I, cause I'm a painter and I multifaceted on everything that I do. And one of the things that I've always done is figured out a way where I can do the work that is meaningful to me, but I also am a huge rational human being and need to sustain my life in some manner. <laughs> so I pick up contract work, like doing my murals and I do um, some finishing work for uh, like a furniture company. Um, but the company that I do the work for is really, really about using the most sustainable materials they can. So there's actually a new product, like a new company out there that's making um, like wood alternatives out of rice husks. And they're giving it like an 80 year full refund warranty because they're that confident in their product. It's baffling to me that with the technologies that we have and the alternatives that are out there that we're still stuck on like the old ways, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, good to know that there are companies like that who are coming up with products like that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, so what do you think is in the way? Legislation, <laughs> legislation and money, basically, I think are the two main things in the way there, sadly. And I don't have the answer for how to fix that outside of getting involved politically and trying to make your voices heard. Yeah, that's good. And I think those two things come up a lot in people's answers of what's in the way pretty uniformly across the board, especially when um, it comes to environmental uh, issues. <laughs> For sure. Yes. So how can people help then? At this exact moment, I'm sure you're possibly familiar with uh, Protect Our Winters or POW. Mm -hmm. um, so Protect Our Winters Canada has a really, really easy, um, you just give them your name, email address and postal code and they send emails on your part basically to all of our legislation here in BC to try and at least get, I mean, if you spam their inboxes enough, they're going to read them eventually. <laughs> so uh, and apparently, uh, John Horgan is making an announcement today at some point, I think at two o'clock, actually, about the logging here in BC, um, because there's been nonviolent protests going on and like peaceful protests and everything going on on the logging roads probably two months, three months now here to try and save the older growths. Um, and they've recently got like a lot of media attention. And I think that's the main reason that they're finally listening. <laughs> Well, that's, those are great suggestions for how people can help. Yeah. Um, so based on, you know, your experience, what you're passionate about, what you do for a living, um, what do you think is the good future? Uh, I mean, I would, I would love seeing a pivot to finding more sustainable options in everything that we do. Like, especially that's one of the things that I talk a lot about when I'm talking to, like, I do guest lectures at universities um, and I talk a lot about it because a lot of artists uh, use like acrylic paints and everything like that. And acrylic paint is just plastic. Like it's, <laughs> um, and most artists, I, I would be willing to bet that upwards of 85 to 90% of artists don't think about their paint when they wash it down the drain. And that's just washing chemicals down the drain. Like they just wash the brushes off in the sink and call it a day and, or just like dump their brush water into the sink and wash down the drain. Like there's no, there's no thought because we have, we were never taught to think about that. I would like to see a world where we pivot towards the more sustainable side of things and figure out ways to make products that 
don't rely on chemicals or plastics or anything like that. In my ideal world, that would be what we do, like get away from killing old growth forests and using oil to create literally everything that we use in our daily lives. And I mean, there is a shift. There are companies doing cool things, but I haven't, I haven't seen a push in the art world to like get away from that. And that's a lot of what I've been doing. It's like I, with my, with my work in the forest, like it's all handmade paints that I make and it biodegrades and rots away within like a month. And that's how myself and David Pope got to meet and talk because we're one of two of three artists that we can think of that work that way so it's because it's bizarre to me that there isn't more of a shift especially in the art world where we have all of these companies um that are dedicated to using art to like raise awareness and raise money for the environment but there's no thought about the products they're using to do that and i would like to see some more organic options out there. There is there is one company called Sugar that um, uses um, sugar cane as the base for their paint rather than petroleum, which is really cool. But they're one company <laughs> and they're not that big. Obviously, I don't know everything and I, there's probably more companies out there, but they're so small, they don't have a footprint. That's it for this week's Green Room. Thanks so much for joining us as we get to the heart of climate action. You can find out more about our work and sign up for our newsletter at envirocenter.ca. Follow us on your favorite podcast app or subscribe on YouTube. See you next time.